A scripture will be from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. There we go. Thank you. Uh, so may the Lord bless the reading of today's scripture today. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophets. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So it is now my great privilege and honor to welcome up um, our pastoral intern, David Beck, beloved brother of ours. And so, yep, if you want to come up, David. Thank you, thank you. Can I use the clicker? Uh, hi, everyone. Um, <clears throat> So, uh, so growing up is is difficult, right? A part of growing up uh, that we all, that many, that most of us experience, uh, is puberty, right? Where our voice cracks, our home, our hormones are running rampant. Uh, we're trying to find our identity, and there's often times where um, all this goes wrong, right? We have embarrassing moments of trying to uh, suppress how our body feels, whether that's like our stomach is grumbling or we have to relieve ourselves a certain way. Um, we argue with our parents, right? It's just a really difficult time that a lot of us go through. Uh, and so to kind of show this, I have a couple pictures of myself when I was growing up uh, that I want to share with everyone. Uh, the first, oh, and uh, today's sermon is also titled uh, God With Us, a part of the Firm Foundation series. Um, and so the first picture I wanted to share is this. Uh, this is 14-year-old uh, David Beck. I think I'm a freshman in this. Uh, my brother called me at a bad time. And I think I was in the middle of eating some cheese puffs or like some pretzels. Um, and this is me in all of my glory at age 14. Next, uh, it's a picture of my family. Uh, we're growing up and my brother is going to Indonesia to, church, to, to start a church plant during this picture. And you see me on my left with my beautiful hair and my shirt letting everyone know how cool I am because I rep Zoo York. Oh my. Next, we have this picture of myself where I cut my hair short for the first time, a small act of rebellion against my parents, and this is me capturing that moment of angst, uh, letting them know that my hair is now gone. Uh, another picture, um, I'm all the way on the left, and weirdly enough, I'm actually older in this picture than I was in the previous one. Um, even though I look so much younger, I don't look that much older than these kids per se, just a lot taller. And lastly, um, here's an infamous picture of myself at senior year, homecoming, where I actually thought it was a good idea to look cool and wear a striped fedora. Um, and it is in these experiences that when I look back uh, 
growing up, puberty, all that stuff seems to be uh, almost devaluing part of my life. I feel like there's a lot of things I messed up on. There was a lot of mistakes that I made. And uh, I remember trying to get the approval of other people. And so one quote I remember sharing uh, or posting on Facebook to try to make people think that I'm really deep, I'm this super philosophical man, is this one. Life is like a piano. The white keys uh, express happiness, and the black keys uh, show sadness. But as you go through life, uh, as you go through life's journey, remember that the black keys uh, also create music. And in all honesty, this is somewhat of a nice quote, but I think the way that I posted it, I just wanted the validation of others, um, and it was, man, just, it was just wanting something. It was wanting to redeem parts of my life or the mistakes I made and have people view me in a certain way. Uh, and again, throughout this growing up, I was, uh, I was overweight. I still kind of am. <laughs> I'm super awkward, slow to recognize a lot of social situations. And again, just all throughout growing up, there are moments where I feel like, man, being human is not nice. <laughs> it's not cool. There's a lot of difficulties that you have to go through. Um, and also, I think as I went to church, I hear a lot about how the flesh um, is weak, how the flesh is bad. Um, but you know, God is good and the Holy Spirit is good. Um, and Christ has come to save us from our sins, but I never really heard much that affirmed the worth and the value of our humanity, of our human bodies. And so today, uh, I wanted to look at this passage at Matthew 1, 18 to 25, to see um, the ultimate role model that we thankfully have, who relates to us, who gives us meaning, and who gives us value and shows value in our humanity and our human bodies. And so, again, I'll be reading through the passage and um, we'll be kind of breaking down uh, the passage for today. Now, the birth of Christ, of Jesus Christ, took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. And so these two verses kind of set up uh, what's going to happen in the, uh, in the following ones afterwards. We see um, the birth of Jesus Christ uh, took place. Mary tells Joseph, hey, I have a baby. And Joseph, um, if I'm Joseph, I'm probably thinking, something needs to happen for me and you to make a baby. And that action did not occur. I am confused. Right? Like, what is going on? And so, uh, as he, when we see his response in verse 19, he has two kind of responses to this, or there are two things that we see in how he responds. Um, and so, the first one, he is a just man. Uh, and so, it mentions in verse 18 that Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. This uh, being betrothed meant that legally you were married, but it was a time, about a year, uh, where you tried to keep yourself pure for the other person, um, and kind of a time of refinement uh, for the full rights of marriage and all that is to come in the wedding ceremony. And Joseph knows that when there is adultery, which he kind of thinks took place because Mary is pregnant, uh, he wants to follow through with what he believes to be correct, um, that there is a divorce that happens, um, and he, he wants to make sure he goes through this process well. But then the other thing that we see in his response is this, that he cares for Mary. He knows that what the reputation of adultery could bring to anyone because it was very looked down upon, but even more so because she is a woman. Right? He cares and he knows some of the consequences that might happen for her in her reality, in her real life. And so though he wants to do what is just, he cares 
about her. He cares about how she lives, about how her life would be if people were to know that this happened. And so he resolves to do this quietly. He does not want to put shame upon her. And um, not only in the setting of the story, but even in the theme of this, uh, in this sermon, I just want to say he values Mary for the human body and sets it all up. And so uh, we continue. Verse 20. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had uh, spoken by the prophets. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God's with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So I think a lot of times when we look at this passage, right, what we focus on is this, that Jesus is supernaturally born, and the, 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 the God-man, or Jesus, who was promised from Genesis 3 all throughout the Old Testament, you see the covenants, you see the promises, the Savior has come. And that's what we focus on, and for good reason, because those are important. Those are crucial to the Christian faith. But a lot of times, what we don't see is the more ordinary humanity of this, and how important it is that Jesus comes in this way. Right, so again... Joseph is about to divorce Mary because usually um, there's a man and woman involved in making a child. But it's actually the angel of the Lord had to come to him supernaturally in a dream and tell him, hey, like, you know, calm yourself. Um, I confirm what Mary's saying. Uh, this baby is indeed from God. And, um, and ultimately we see his response that uh, he does not divorce her. Uh, he takes her as his wife. Um, and when Jesus is born, he calls him Jesus. Um, but the thing is that Jesus' birth starts off extraordinarily. Right? The Holy Spirit conceives Mary. Uh, the, Jesus is conceived by the Holy Spirit in Mary. And uh, ultimately, we see he goes through, uh, though there is that extraordinary part um, of, how he is, of how he comes to the earth, we also see that there's a very ordinary Mary bears him, right? Mary delivers him um, as a baby. And this seems kind of weird. Jesus, this divine being, could have come fully developed as, um, as a divine being, right, to this earth. He could have come from the heavens, right? Um, even if he wanted to make a point that, uh, that he came naturally, that he came by means of the womb, uh, he could have came out a little bit more developed, a little more... Um, fitting for a savior. And yet we see him come in the form of a baby, perhaps the most vulnerable and the most um, dependent state that a human body can be with. And this, this seems ordinary, but this is crazy because all throughout the Old Testament, um, and this is a part of this is from a message that I heard by someone named Jackie Hill Perry, who is a well-known uh, poet, theologian, author, she shared in this message that all throughout this Old Testament, we see a God who, when his people try to be with him in some form or in some shape, in some way, there is a risk of death. 
Right? So for Moses, there is the burning bush. And he cannot touch the burning bush even though the fire does not consume the bush. Right? But even in being in God's presence, the, it's, it is a holy place. Right? And, and, and that's a scary experience that Moses has. And later on, Moses tells God, I want to see your face. And God tells him, if you saw my face, you would die. I'm just that holy. The best I can do is I'll show you a glimpse of my back, um, or what other people call his backside. And so after this happens, Moses sees a glimpse of this, and even just a glimpse of God causes his face to shine, and when others see him, they're scared. Because there's the imprint of God's holiness on Moses' face just for seeing God's back, a brief glimpse of it. And yet, we see Mary, she holds Jesus. She is able to see the divine God. She is able to see God in flesh without any penalty to her. It's not like her, her, her fingers and her skin is burning as she's touching something so holy. She doesn't, she, she doesn't tremble at the fact that there's no bodily reaction to her holding the baby Jesus. Right? And so the God that was once untouchable and unreachable has now come in human form and now can be touched by us. Or, and, and, and he comes to us. And when later on in the passage, and he called his name Jesus. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Steve mentioned in the burning bush pa- uh, passage with Moses that God says, I am who I am. That is his name. And how the people were so scared of God's holiness, they were so scared of who God was, that they would not dare say his name. Right? And then th- that's why they would use um, those phrases, YH- YHWH, Yohevate, uh, Adonai. Some people uh, would eventually uh, make that into Jehovah. Or we-, we still don't really know how to completely say that name. And yet, uh, that is how holy God is. But in Jesus, we can call him by name. And it's not as though Jesus was this special name that, like, that, only, that no one had in the rest of this world. And they, he was the first one named. Like Jesus, Yeshua, that was a fairly common name at that time. And yet, this God that was once untouchable, this God that was once um, unseeable, is now seen, touched, heard, called a name. Jesus, um, as he comes to this earth, he comes to this earth fully divine and yet fully human. There is, a, there is a specific reason for this, right? It is because God wants, us, God wants to show us the value um, of, of, of being human. He allows, he, when Jesus comes as fully human, we can relate with him, right? We can, he, he knows the experiences that we've been through. And I brought up things like puberty in the past because growing up, I'm, if Jesus is fully human, he had to experience puberty. Jesus experienced weird belly gurglings when like he was hungry he probably cried as a baby because babies cry it's not like he's exempt from this right jesus may have had acne who knows um nothing's explicitly created but he comes fully as human so he has to go through these things right it says jesus wasn't the most good-looking man according to the prophecies in isaiah and so maybe there were people that poked fun at his appearance And yet, we see Jesus, the divine one, going through the experience that all of us do. And in that shows that God and Jesus um, wants to show the value of the human body. That he loves loves his creation for how he created us. And lastly, this isn't in the passage. But all throughout Jesus' ministry, um, yes, Jesus, baby Jesus has come to the earth. And he will be our savior. He will be the one to save us from our sins. But 
in his ministry, we see a little more than that. Right? Yes, in his ministry, we see that people are forgiven of their sins. But with Jesus, after he forgives them of their sins, he could have just left them there. You know what? You have an eternal hope now. You are saved, and I'm going to go. Bye. You, you got that. Right? And that would have been a lot, because then we know that we have an eternal hope uh, that we can look to. But no, even though it's not every time Jesus interacts with someone, we see all throughout Jesus' ministry that he heals and restores bodies. Right, to how they're supposed to be. For the woman who was suffering for 12 years of physical pain and, and bleeding, right, who mentally, emotionally, psychologically thinks that she is unclean because that is what uh, the law that day tells her. She's going through all this, and when she just touches Jesus' cloak, Jesus could have been like, hey, your sins are forgiven, and then just walked away. And she still would have had the eternal hope, even though she would have been stuck in her suffering here on earth. But no, he heals her. Right? And I'm sure that there's still a lot more that she will have to go through in, in how we view it now in terms of mentally, emotionally, and 12 years of pain doesn't erase uh, in one moment per se. But yet, he restores her body to how it should be. Because he cares about the human body and the lives that we live on this earth. There are those who are lame. There are those who cannot walk. There are those who cannot see. And in the passings and in the interactions that Jesus has with them, again, it's not a simple matter of, hey, like, I have good news. I have come to forgive you of your sins. I'll see you later. Right? Because again, even that much um, and the assurance of salvation, that's a lot. But no, he looks at them and in so many of his encounters that he has with them, he heals them. Right? Those who, cannot, who have not been able to walk their whole lives are able to walk. Those who have not been able to see for their whole lives are able to see. Why? Because when God comes to this earth, when he has come to save us from our sins, he also comes to restore and um, to heal our bodies as well. And there are times in scripture where maybe we don't see that. Right? There's a time where Jesus doesn't heal everyone uh, always. But we see that in so many of his interactions, it is not just the assurance of a future hope. It is not just the assurance of a future salvation and the forgiveness of sins that he gives them. But it is in the time here and now, their human bodies, he restores them to how they are supposed to be. So on all of this, we see that when Jesus comes in the form of a baby, this vulnerable human baby, um, in all of his ministry, as he heals people, he restores bodies. And even to the very end of his time on earth, when he ascends into heaven after his resurrection, he does so in a human form. And all this goes to implicitly show that there is a value to the human bodies that he has given to us. Jesus is fully man and fully human in all that he does. Right? And, and, and that is a purposeful thing so that we are able to relate with him um, and that we are able uh, and, um, and, and it also allows us yeah, to relate with him. And, that, and so when Jesus comes uh, to save us from our sins, it, it is for all things. So why does any of this matter to us? Right? Okay, Jesus, Jesus came and he's human. Uh, why does that matter? It matters because it shows that Christ cares about our lives here on this earth. Right? Our faith was never meant to be something that was only for the afterlife. Our faith is not only, um, even though a large crucial proponent of it is the forgiveness of sins and the eternal hope that we can be with Christ. It also uh, has a meaning. It also leads us and guides us for how we live our lives, for how we live our lives 
here today on this earth. God cares about how we, lives, uh, how we live our lives here and treat one another. Right? He cares about how we treat and see ourselves. Right? He is the one that created us. Um, he, for, for those who have uh, been hurt by, or poked fun at um, by physical appearance, he doesn't disregard those because he says, oh, you know what, you have, you have eternal salvation already. That's enough. No, but he listens to those, to those prayers. For the teenager who's growing up right now, for the youth group students, um, there are a lot of things that you're going through. There are a lot of things that are changing. He, he, Jesus has experienced those things. Right? And, and he cares and he sees you as you go through all of this. For the college student, uh, for the grad student, he sees as you are trying to further develop your identity, as you're trying to figure out, what do I do with my time here on earth? He sees and he hears those cries because he was once a human too. He had to have a job. He was a carpenter for the families, for the parents. Um, Jesus, uh, particularly, I want to say for the parents. Jesus is life on earth. He he takes that time to care for himself um, when he spends time with God. And um, he knows that there are burdens and there are stresses that come with working, that come with with, with living. And for the parent who, who feels as though you have to hold everything just to yourself, that you can't release it in any shape and form, Jesus cares about you because he knows what that's like. He has come to bring value and to redeem and to restore humanity. And also in the time that Jesus comes, he, goes into, he comes into a world that has a lot of messiness. It has so much brokenness in its own way. People are being killed, being cheated, being dishonored. They're being done wrong to in so many ways. There are oppressed people in the world that he enters in his time uh, 2020 some years ago. And again now, 2020, we live in a similar situation. People are being killed, cheated, dishonored, done wrong to you. There's oppression, uh, whether it's rooted in uh, race, gender, sexual orientation, all so much more. that are prevalent in today's society in America and around the world. We can rejoice that when Jesus, as Jesus has come to this earth, that we have eternal salvation. Um, we can rejoice that he sees us, that he knows us, that uh, he, he relates with us. We can, we can rejoice in that. But the other aspects of this is that we have to recognize, wow, Jesus cares for the, for the lives of others. right? He, he cares for how people live on this earth. Right? All throughout this world, there's things like human trafficking, things like homelessness, difficult situations that people go through. And there are times where I believe the church responds really well caring for them, uh, doing our best to give what we can, um, whether that's food, whether that's uh, needed resources, um, or the spiritual component of giving hope and sharing the gospel with them. But there are also often times where we only seem to care about people in some shape or some form. Uh, We only address maybe one issue or one result of how um, they are affected. We don't really do that much to treat them holistically as a human being, whether it's how we view them, how we speak of them, um, and I think if we really believe that Jesus came as fully human, as if, if he came to save us from our sins and he brings value to our human bodies, then that should lead us then to care about the bodies and the lives of other people on this earth here today. We share the gospel that is, that is necessary, that is needed. We share the good news that Jesus Christ has come to this earth to save us from our sins, that he has done so and that he is with God now. And we also should then be led to, to serve them on this life here, though, 
because there are still needs that need to be addressed. Right. Ultimately, as we seek to be like Christ, let us be like him in every which way. Uh, trying to address and serve those in their spiritual needs as well as their physical needs. And so, um, to close uh, for today's uh, sermon, I just wanted to vision cast what would it look like if we really uh, cared and treated the human body and, and, and showed it value in the way that God does through Jesus. Right? What would it look like if we were a church that went out into the world to serve, again, both the physical and spiritual needs of people, right? giving them um, what is needed for their immediate needs now? Right? But what would it also look like if we, the church, served uh, those um, who are homeless by trying to help them find jobs in healthcare? What does it look like if we, the church, were voices to help advocate for affordable housing? Because that's a real need. People need shelter, right? Shelter improves your life by so much because it gives you so much of what you need, right? And this is, are some of these things that we just kind of don't address it because, hey, like, no, we, we can give money or, like, you know, we can give these things. Uh, we can buy someone a meal every once in a while. That's fine. But there are other real needs that we need as human beings and, uh, what would it be if we were a church that helped address these things, uh, that showed that our experiences, that our lives here on earth mattered? And ultimately, right, or not, maybe not ultimately, but also, what would it look like if we, the church, wept and fought uh, for the rights of those who are oppressed and acted as a voice for the voiceless, as we see all throughout passages, um, but um, maybe particularly so in places like Proverbs 31, 8, 9. When Jesus has come to this earth, Yes, he has come to save us from our sins. He has come to bring restoration to the world in both the physical and the spiritual. So again, um, let us then be like him and seek to be God's hands and feet in doing both as well. Um, So as uh, Praise Ben or Jamie comes up, um, let's take a moment uh, to, to, to think and to pray for ourselves. There is the very felt needs of reality here today on earth. Um, what role can we play? Right? Or maybe it's a personal thing that you have to, that you have to reconcile or think through as well. Right? Or, and, and it's a struggle to accept the fact that God loves you holistically for who you are. It's not a matter of your actions, but um, he loves you for every mark or for everything that you um, dislike or maybe even hate about yourself physically. Um, there, it, it, it is a rough thing. Uh, the, the implications for Jesus being fully man, fully God, uh, there's a lot of them. Um, and in this message, um, God cares for the human being. And let's just take uh, some time to, to pray about that uh, and ask God, what can we do in the midst of that? And so, yeah. Dear Lord, again, we thank you for this day. 
we thank you that 2020 some odd years ago that you sent to your son to this world to save us ultimately from our sins and yet when you send him to this earth we thank you that he has come fully human fully divine fully able to relate with us and fully able to do something about it we thank you that all throughout Jesus' life we see examples of how Jesus and how you affirm and bring value to our human bodies how you wish to see restoration in that as well we pray that as we see your care for people, may we be your hands and feet that seek to do this. May we be your hands and feet and, I guess, mouth that goes to share the gospel, to share of your goodness, but also to serve those who are suffering in the various ways that we can, that, which we can help them. We pray that you would reconcile with us, that you would, that you would comfort us when there are times when uh, we seem to to hate the situations that we're in. When we seem to, uh, to when we have hatred for for ourselves. Uh, when we do not love ourselves in the way that you uh, desire for us to. Uh, we pray that you would be a comforter. We pray that you would be a voice uh, who speaks to us. That you would bring others um, to to remind us of how you created us. That you have created us good. Um, and ultimately, uh, Lord, may we also may we just rejoice again that you have come and that uh, you have uh, saved us. And so, in your name, we pray. Amen.